This is Chattanooga Civics. I'm Nathan Byrne. In the run-up to the 2021 mayoral election, then-candidate Tim Kelly released a plan for his first 100 days in office. These 100-day plans are a staple of presidential elections, but they're rarely seen at the mayoral level. July 28th marked the 100th day of the Kelly administration, and to mark the occasion, the administration released an online tracking dashboard to show what progress has been made on the 100-day plan. To find out more, I sat down with Joda Tongnapnua, the mayor's chief of policy. We discussed the outcomes of the 100-day plan, as well as the administration's plans for the future. My name is Joda Tongnapnua. I'm Mayor Kelly's chief policy officer. Okay, great. And so... I just want to ask you to provide a, a, just a brief overview of, of what these first 100 days have looked like. Um, you know, what have been the challenges? What have been the success stories, just very broadly speaking? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a crazy 100 days. It feels like it has gone by really fast. Um, we came in with just a six-day transition. There were four working days. And uh, as Mayor Kelly talked about um, throughout the campaign, a six-day transition meant that we had to get a lot of things in place uh, very quickly. And so, um, you know, within the first 50 days, we actually launched the reorganization of government. So we created several new departments, um, including the Department of Early Learning, Department of Innovation, Delivery, and Performance. Um, we split economic and community development. Uh, and we also um, really elevated uh, economic development, particularly because we were excited about the opportunity to really be investing in workforce development initiatives, um, small business support. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a, a lot of things happened really fast. Um, but <clears throat> once we kind of came in and did that restructure to make sure that Mayor Kelly's uh, government actually reflected his priorities. And so the structure allowed us to not only capture um, efficiencies uh, and and get things done um, more effectively for, for the residents of Chattanooga, but also so that way we, we had real vehicles to advance uh, major bodies of work that we know are going to be really important for our city, like early learning. Um, and so uh, it, within that first 50 days, that kind of set us up to begin um, – kind of the longer term work that will be uh, guiding this administration over um, the next uh, couple of years. And part of that work was the, the 100 days plan. And um, there were nearly six, uh, nearly 70 items on, on that list. And we uh, were able to tick through about 80%, a little over 80% of them, um, which is a, a B in our minds. We, uh, we were working uh, fast and furious to try and get a lot of these items done. Um, we ran into some barriers with some, and then some we just knew were going to be budget dependent and we're going to take a little bit more time. And then uh, a few items, our understanding of the issue evolved once we got into government. Um, but overall, uh, we knew that if we had hit 100% on 
uh, some of these items uh, that probably meant that we weren't aiming high enough. And uh, the mayor is not a famously patient person. And so he definitely pushed us to, to get uh, as much done as we could. But recognizing that this work is um, just a start, the 100-day plan was um, always meant to be a starting place for the administration. Um, simultaneously to all of that, um, there have been a couple of uh, things that popped up uh, throughout the 100 days um, that that uh, took our attention, uh, maybe not away from, but it certainly dominated the way that we uh, uh, were, what we were dealing with that week or that day. And uh, personally, I kind of liken it to uh, when people ask me, you know, how are things going at City Hall? I'm like, well, we're working on some really exciting long-term stuff. And you go into work really excited about some of the big ideas that you would be able to implement for the people of Chattanooga and, and really tackle some of these challenges that we've been facing for a long time. But then also, as soon as you walk in the door uh, or throughout your day or week, you pull a certain number of chance cards and you just have to respond to those chance cards. Uh, and that's that's part of the job too. And um, you know, one of the things that has happened over these 100 days is we've uh, put together a really fantastic senior team. Uh, Brent Goldberg, our chief of staff, uh, Julia Bursch, our deputy chief of staff, um, as well as several others, Jermaine Freeman, um, who is our the mayor's adv- senior advisor for economic opportunity, Mara uh, Sullivan, who is uh, really leading our recovery and resilience efforts, as well as Emily O'Donnell, um, the city attorney, um, a, a standout uh, staffer that we are just really excited to have on our team. She brings so much experience as Dr. Mary Lambert, who is our director of the Office of Community Health, which is a brand new office. Um, and so important that we have that office, particularly in the midst of this pandemic, where we're unfortunately seeing another spike in cases as the Delta variant takes hold. Um, but she brings, uh, she, she kind of is on the, the west side of the building her office is over there. She's like, yeah, you know, this is the uh, second time I've worked in a West Wing of a government office. And uh, it was a very casual uh, drop there. But, you know, she really is bringing a, a tremendous amount of um, public health knowledge and experience to the table. And um, I'm, you know, with that fantastic team, we've been able to really take on those chance cards uh, effectively uh, while also making sure we're making progress on the long-term items. So uh, overall, it's been busy. Uh, We are excited and we are not letting off the gas anytime soon. Great. Well, uh, you know, like you said, the the city released a tracker showing progress on this this 100-day plan that the mayor put out, and it's it's around 80 percent. But I've got a kind of longer term question, and, and you've mentioned this a little bit, but generally speaking, the 100-day plan is, is really focused heavily on creating plans and advisory committees and, and research positions and things like that. Uh, but they're all oriented towards a much larger goal. You've got goals on affordable housing, on economic development, on homelessness, on all these things, very long-term goals that the 100-day plan was just kicking off. And so you've already released this data tracker to to inform the public about these short-term goals of creating these research committees, but are there any plans to continue to publicly track those underlying goals that really kind of create the framework for the 100-day plan? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, not only is the 100-day plan a a really great tool for us to sort of keep track of the items, even past the 100 days, some of the stuff we didn't get done, um, we're going to continue to update that along the way. Um, But we also recognize that uh, we 
we, we were just starting off with a 100-day plan. Um, we are really fortunate to have our uh, Department of Innovation, Delivery, and Performance, which is absorbed, uh, and uh, the uh, Office of uh, Performance Management and Open Data, uh, our OpMod team, and they are uh, some of the best uh, data analysts and public data advocates uh, anywhere in the country. We just got certified as a city, as a city, uh, as a what works gold uh, certified city, which is a, a fairly uh, difficult uh, certification to get, and it demonstrates our commitment um, and and uh, that team's commitment to uh, one not just having access to open data, but but leveraging it for performance management, for accountability and transparency, but also to help us better uh, improve services with that data as well. So um, to come back to uh, some of the bigger goals, you know, we're going to be releasing a strategic framework that outlines the major goals for this administration. And a, a couple of things that are important about that strategic framework, <clears throat> it's not uh, a, a plan to end all plans by any means. I think that it's, uh, it's designed to be iterative. It's designed uh, understanding that other organizations in our community have their own strategic plans, um, and it's meant to support and enable them. Um, but it is also a way for us to stay accountable. Um, and so we have, you know, right now seven really big goals, and these are subject to some change. But you know, we really want to make sure that we're building a universal path to early learning, um, that we are catalyzing uh, the resurgence of our black middle class, recognizing that that's been an area where we've struggled as a city. We want to make sure that we're ensuring that every Chattanooga has access to uh, safe and secure housing. Um, and that means making sure that uh, housing is affordable for every Chattanooga. Um, we want to improve local infrastructure. Uh, and this is, you know, uh, shouldn't be a surprise to folks that saw uh, Mayor Kelly's pothole ads. Uh, we, we, that wasn't just a campaigning tool. We are um, uh, pretty committed to that. Uh, we want to see our, our city become a competitive regional economy so that we're um, able to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with our, our competitive regional peers like Knoxville, Nashville, Atlanta, because we know we do compete up against them uh, uh, for talent and for jobs. Um, ultimately, we, we really want to see this work through an equity lens and begin to close the gaps that have been so persistent, um, not only in our economy, but in our our, our city generally, um, these are public health gaps, there are uh, gaps in access to things like fresh and healthy food, um, there are economic gaps, wealth gaps. So those are, are uh, going to be a major area of focus. And then sort of finally, just making sure that the city of Chattanooga is an effective and efficient local government um, that is responsive to its residents. And so, you know, across those big goals, we have several initiatives we're excited to be able to roll out soon. Um but we will be tracking and holding ourselves accountable to a series of metrics um, that come out with that strategic plan as well. And then every single one of those items will sort of have a strategic plan that goes with it. Uh, so our early learning strategy will be developed over the months ahead, and we'll have some very specific detailed uh, 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 metrics and performance indicators that we can uh, look at to make sure that we're, we're um what we're doing is working and that the public is holding us accountable. Um, so over the, over the course of the, these next couple of months and even next couple of years, you'll be seeing a lot of uh, data coming out of the city of Chattanooga. You'll be seeing some of the dashboards that we look at every day to hold ourselves accountable. And then, um, of course, we continue to work with um, our partners in the media um, and in uh, local journalism to answer questions that uh, we didn't necessarily ask of ourselves, but uh, are, are continuing to stay transparent and accountable uh, to the public through them as well. So I, I think 
from a, a long-term perspective, we, we are excited about the idea of tracking our goals and providing a lot of data. And it's actually, um, uh, we've got now a department whose responsibility it is to drive those metrics up to the public, which is, is really exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited to see that. And I think it's going to be really helpful to citizens who, who often feel disconnected kind of from what the city is doing, just to be able to see that in real time and say, hey, this is what the city said they were going to do. I haven't heard anything about it. Now you can go on this little yeah. tracker and say, hey, they're actually still working on it. They haven't gotten to the finish line yet, but they're, they're still moving forward. So that'll be really good. I'm excited to see that. And, you know, one of the things around those items is that a lot of times these are extraordinarily complex issues. And we want to help people understand not only what we're doing to resolve them, but also helping the public understand maybe what some of the barriers are to progress. And so we know that not every answer is going to come out of city hall or local government. And we have really encouraged our teams uh, to not take as much pride in authorship, but to really like look at the community for what some of those solutions might be too. So I think you'll see um, opportunities for that. We just announced, um, you know, we can talk about this in a little bit, I'm sure, but um uh, we had some challenges with our recycling uh, uh, due to sh some staffing shortages. And um, we announced some steps that we're taking to raise pay for CDL drivers uh, to make sure that we can fill those positions. Um, but we also are going to take that as an opportunity to solicit pu public feedback about how we can do recycling and waste management better. And so at Startup Week, we are going to be um, working with Startup Week's organizers to conduct a reverse pitch where residents can offer their suggestions and feedback about how we can be doing a better job of some really essential city services. And you'll see that spirit kind of continue um, to weave its way into the Kelly administration's uh, uh, approach to uh, making sure that services are as good as they can be and our city is the best version of itself. Great, and that's actually a really great lead into my next question. Uh, a lot of the goals that were listed in the 100 day plan are, are really dependent on the 2022 fiscal year budget. And that includes solving some issues related to retention of police officers and firefighters, and of course, public works guys who are out collecting recycling. Um, we're currently operating under a temporary continuance of the 2021 budget. When can we expect the full 2022 budget to be released for public viewing? So uh, actually, by the time this gets posted uh, and is live, actually, I imagine that um, we'll either be right around the corner from or it will already be uh, public. So we're announcing our budget and releasing it to the public as well as to city council on August 10th. So that's this coming Tuesday. And um, you'll be able to see that on Chattanooga.gov. Uh, we are really excited about our budget because you're right. A lot of these 100 plan items were dependent. Um, on us passing a budget. And, um, you know, for, for, for this administration and for the mayor, he has really made sure that, you know, we optimized the time that we had to build a budget that reflects our priorities, which is why we didn't just pass a budget when we walked in the door, but we took our time to really go line by line on each of the spending items and say, hey, is this really reflecting our priorities? If not, what can we do to make it um, uh match what we're trying to do better? Um, where can we cut uh, some spending that might have been unnecessary or wasteful? Um, a great example of that is we went through uh, each department and, and tallied up software licenses like for Microsoft Office and things and found many people using 
uh, Office that uh, or or weren't using Office but still have the license on their computer, um, despite the fact that we switched over to Google Docs a long time ago. And so we were able to save uh, over a hundred thousand dollars just by cutting licenses. Um, and and that's you know that kind of stuff adds up, right? You do that enough, uh, you know. And, and you look at services with a critical eye, you're able to fund some real programs that can make a, a difference in people's lives. So uh, that that's really exciting. You know, you'll see some pretty significant investments um, into compensation, which uh, I think is going to be a really important step forward for our city to have a compensation plan um, that pays people fairly, but also allows us to compete for public servants uh, that are excellent at what they do and can provide a really um, top tier level of service for the public. And the, a perfect example of that is our recycling drivers who were, um, you know, CDL drivers are extremely competitive right now. The city of Chattanooga competes not just with other cities, but for, uh, we compete with, with, uh, you know, private companies. And for, for us, we were lagging 40% behind, um, the pay that was available for a similar, similarly qualified driver. So we had 32, uh, vacancies uh, for equipment operators who drive these trucks. Um, and so when we unexpectedly lost two staffers, um, we had to suspend recycling service to make sure that we were collecting garbage and brush on time, particularly brush because uh, um, during the hot months of the summer, it's a real fire hazard to have that sitting on the side of the road. But but we recognize that had we had a pay plan that, uh, you know, met the moment and was... Uh, um, uh, essentially built for uh, the 21st century and, and 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 kept pace with the private market, we would be able to, uh, we wouldn't have been in that situation. And so now um, in our new budget, you'll see not just uh, uh, CDL drivers, but police officers, firefighters, first responders, as well as public works crews, the people who um, maintain our roads uh, that uh, in, a, in a lot of cases um, uh, are, are on the front lines of making the city uh, the kind of place it should be. Um, they'll 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 see compensation increases that allows the city of Chattanooga to continue to provide really essential services. Um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff in our budget too, which I'd, I'd be happy to talk about. But um, you know we're uh, getting really excited to be able to release that. And and with the start of our budget, that's really the beginning of. Um, uh, I feel like we've somewhat been in a prologue of of the Kelly administration. The mayor has been. Uh, driving reorganization, getting our first 100 days uh, taken care of, getting our budget in order. And then from there, we'll really pivot to um, tackling some of these long-term items that, uh, uh, whether they be challenges or opportunities for our city, uh, that I think could really define the next decade of Chattanooga. And we, we stand at a crossroads in a lot of ways. And um, Chattanooga has a real, really exciting series of opportunities ahead of it. And we're, we're looking forward to making sure that um, – uh, Chattanooga is the best city in America, um, and and I think the uh, the work that we're doing now in our budget will allow us to really make sure that's possible. That's great. I, I really look forward to seeing that. I'm hoping to have kind of an in depth dive into the budget here on the podcast at some point. Again, you said that'll be live by the time this interview is is published. Um, I, I want to circle back around back to the hundred day plan. Uh, and, and just broadly speaking, I'm, I'm wondering if there's any particular goals that the administration feels like y'all were able to go above and beyond whatever the 100-day plan said, something you all were really proud of and, and got a little bit further than maybe you thought you thought you would. You know, whenever we uh, uh, 
said that we were going to name a policy director for community health, we weren't really sure what we were going to get at, at the time. Um, and the mayor uh, uh, was able to, to land uh, Dr. Mario Lambert as our director of the Office of Community Health. And um, I, I can't uh, um, overemphasize uh, the value she adds to our city with her experience. She worked at NIH, HHS, um, worked in the White House. Uh, she brings, uh, she, she served in and out of uniform for uh, a few decades on the front lines of public health in our country. And for her to come back home and also serve uh, in local government, um, it's uh, frankly a tremendous honor to be able to work with her. And, um, you know, beyond her individually, uh, our Office of Community Health is going to play a really extraordinarily important role um, in not just physical health, uh, but the way we think about public health and community health is um, about making sure that our, our community uh, is in a position where it has everything it needs to thrive and succeed. And so in, in a lot of ways, you know, we've really begun to think about the gun violence epidemic through the lens of, of community health. And, you know, how can we respond differently because uh, it is like an epidemic. One shooting can spark or spur, you know, 20 others uh, in some cases. And so um, what we can do to, to limit that and to provide people other opportunities to provide them, um, you know, to interdict before violence happens um, is really, really important. Of course, uh, enforcement is also important. You know, if you decide to pick up a gun and um, shoot somebody, you know, we're going to bring every uh, amount of resource we have on the law enforcement side to make sure that you can't harm anybody else. But at the same time, we recognize that the root causes of violent crime go far beyond the capacity of law enforcement to solve on their own. And I think uh, you, you, you'd hear the same thing from police officers too. So that's one goal I'd say that we're particularly uh, proud of, um, you know, laying the groundwork for some really important um, steps in the right direction uh, around public health, particularly in the middle of this pandemic. Um, we were able to land a $3.4 million federal grant um, uh, through the Office of Minority Health in the Federal Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, we actually applied for that grant. Um, the, we submitted our application the day after Mayor Kelly was sworn in, um, and he had the authority to, to actually submit the grant. But we wrote it, the, this grant, before we even knew we'd win before Election Day. And um, I think it was just a sign that uh, we were really preparing to govern in a um, a robust way. And so we were able to walk in with a grant application ready to go. And um, now Dr. Lambert has the resources to go and make sure that we're providing, uh, um, you know, community health navigators and, and some uh, basic health uh, services in our community centers once they're back open. Um, so that's that's one. Uh, I'll pivot to another one. Uh, you know, our uh, plan called for us to conduct an inventory of city-owned properties that could be used for affordable housing. And we know affordable housing is going to be one of the key things that we uh, are focused on, you know, over the course of this administration. And that uh, uh, that inventory we were able to put together pretty quickly. And we were able to find a number of different properties that we can um, begin to uh make the center point of our strategy to to incentivize the creation of affordable housing. We're still working through what that looks like. We know we're going to use, uh, you know, land banking authorities or, or organizations, and then we can create um, a set of criteria uh, for that land to be used, uh, whether it be by a developer or by an organization, 
um, if they're willing to go and create uh, housing that is affordable at a specific level, and we mean affordable um, to uh, the people that really need it, and we have some very specific metrics for that. Um, but as we begin to build out those guidelines, you know, we have extra tools in our toolbox um, to, to spur the creation of affordable housing. Um, but we're also looking at uh, policies that encourage density in our neighborhoods that um, allow uh, more people to live on, um, you know, uh, in a space that historically, you know, you could you could totally fit a a, a four bedroom, three story uh, uh, house, but um, we also know that we could have uh, used that space to fit more families who really need a place to live. So we're we're really getting thoughtful about that, um, and so having that uh, having that inventory. Uh, put together is something that is was really exciting and I think started us off um, on on the uh, path to being able to really bring a number of units to the city. Um, so those two I think uh, are, are are pretty exciting for me. Um, also, I'll I'll just finally mention you know our our partnership with the uh, with Hamilton County Schools that we announced, um, where we are going to be making the most significant investment financially and staff-wise into Hamilton County Public Schools since the merger in 1997, whenever Chattanooga City Schools be joined um, to create Hamilton County School System. And uh, now we are going to be providing um, community forward coordinators, uh, which are um, folks who will be able to connect resources that aren't necessarily academic, but we know have an impact on the academic success of those students. And um, that's, that's really exciting because uh, they'll be rooted in those schools, but they'll be city employees, and we'll be able to think about city services and how they impact the families and the students in those schools. Um, so whether it's uh, access to fresh food or helping with rent uh, or connecting them to resources that can help them with finding housing or workforce development opportunities, you know, all of these uh, wraparound services, even maybe uh, mental or physical health support, um, that can help create an environment where that child can learn at home and then also um, when they go to school that they're uh, positioned to be as successful as possible. That's a, a really exciting development and I think will make a tremendous difference in the lives of so many children across our region. Um, so those are a couple of the big items that I'd say we're, we're particularly proud of. That's awesome. And it's, it's super tempting to me to just follow any one of those threads. Each one of those topics could easily be its own hour-long interview. Um, and, and I think we will be covering a couple of those in a little bit more detail. But first, I want to ask one more kind of general question. What goal or goals has proven to be the most difficult to meet? Something that uh, ended up being harder than y'all anticipated, something that is taking a little longer, maybe, maybe a bit of a struggle to meet that goal. Yeah. Similarly, when I mentioned the land bank authority, um, one of the challenges I think we saw was that uh, we were hoping to be able to get that back up and running in 100 days. But uh, we realized that the... Um, the nonprofit status of the land bank authority had actually lapsed and it would take a little bit of time because there's a backlog at the IRS uh, for processing that paperwork. So that's sort of out of our hands now. Um, and so it's going to take more time than we anticipated. Um, another one was uh, uh, really getting to fair free CARTA quicker than we, uh, I think, are going to be realizing now that we're going to be able to. Um, some of that is just a challenge of uh, federal law, right? Making sure that we're um, uh, able to uh, reduce or eliminate fares in a way that is equitable and that doesn't um, uh, flip a switch in, you know, Title VI uh, about uh, 
because there is a lot of federal law. As soon as you start tinkering with fares, they want to make sure that it's applied fairly, which is a good federal law, but uh, it sort of has the unintended consequence of making it difficult to subsidize rates uh, or routes rather on um, specific routes. You, they really want to make sure that you're not disproportionately impacting people who um, uh, who, who really need that service or, or that there wouldn't be an unexpected uh, impact on you know, a certain group of people or certain demographic. Um, and then, you know, too, the, there are sort of practical uh, implementation questions around that that I think we're still sorting through. Um, you know, another one is the uh, question to, or the the goal to revise city codes um, to be more efficient and simpler to understand. Um, and we realize that's going to actually take probably the better part of this administration. Um, the city code is dense and it, it takes time to um, get feedback on all those and make sure that we're not uh, creating unintended consequences uh, whenever we go and simplify things. Uh, so uh, I think there were a couple of items for, you know, some reasons we had unexpected barriers or obstacles. Um, some things are sort of out of our hands because we're not the direct decision-making authority. And then third, you know, like some things just had, uh, just took longer than we anticipated. And so uh, I, I'd say those are a couple that uh, are on my mind as as ones that were um, difficult to grapple with, but we're we're not letting up. Great. So I want to I want to dive in, and we'll get a chance. Actually, some of the things you just brought up, I'm I'm planning on asking a little bit more detailed question about. But I just kind of want to run through the plan. Most of these, I'm hoping, will kind of be rapid fire, but there's probably yeah. a handful that'll be uh, a little bit more of a discussion. Just diving into each section of the mayor's 100-day plan. And I want to start with affordable housing, which we were just talking about, kind of one of the things that you think is going really well in terms of getting that plan up and running. It seems like a lot of effort in the 100-day plan was going towards utilizing tax delinquent properties and creating a plan to use those as a resource stream for affordable housing. Another plan was to increase housing voucher acceptance through the city through you know, various incentives to landlords and things like that. Uh, I don't want to get too into the weeds on this right now, but I do want to know, in terms of those broader goals, when can the city, you know, when can citizens expect to see a more detailed plan of what that long-term vision is going to be like and how can we track those goals in the long run? So that's a great question. We are going to be presenting to city council um, our long-term affordable housing strategy sometime in October. Um, so it'll be coming up pretty quickly. Um, and then I anticipate we'll actually have uh, an affordable housing dashboard that we'll be able to publish um, sometime either uh, the end of this year or the beginning of next. Um, that kind of helps uh, residents follow along and, and keep track of our progress. Um, I will say that creating housing units is extremely difficult, particularly in this economy. Um, you know, I think that Anybody who's in the construction industry knows that materials costs have gone up. Land scarcity is a real thing. And then, um, you know, I think everybody is starting to look at their property tax uh, assessments and uh, seeing the value of their homes go up. I mean, and that's just partially a function of inflation, partially a function of, of some of these higher um, higher commodity prices. But the reality is, is that uh, we know that it's complicated to build anything. Um, and it becomes even more complicated whenever you're trying to build something at an affordable level. And so, um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm uh, uh, keenly aware of the 
the ambitiousness of our affordable housing strategy, and we are staying clear-eyed about what the the the, op- the challenges are in terms of you know what's going to be the, the the factors that slow us down. Um, and and so uh, we're we're committed to working through those, and in some cases, you know, we're going to launch whole new policies that help us, um, you know. Uh, uh, work through those those barriers, but then also, you know, we're going to be looking to the public to help us think through, um, you know, what are some does this strategy make sense? Uh, uh, can you can we build support for density in our neighborhoods? Because if we continue to only build R one, um, we're just simply not going to hit our housing goals. Um, and so, you know, it's, some of this is looking to the community to say, hey, is this some, is affordable housing really a priority for the city? And I think it is. Uh, and, and I know the mayor's heard that. Uh, uh, over and over again, um, but we we it's going to take public input and public process to to really get engaged and um, to make sure that this uh, this goal of providing housing uh, accessible housing for the vast majority of Chattanoogans um, is is uh, a success. And I could talk with you about this for you know another two hours probably. So I look forward yeah. to seeing that plan, and and maybe when that plan gets released, we can jump on board and do another interview just focused on that because I could talk about it for ages. Um, for sure. I, I do want to keep moving on. One of the goals was to develop a strategic plan to convert 100 city-owned properties to affordable housing by December 31st, 2021. And I just want to kind of clarify: was the goal to actually have those houses in place by December 30? first or to actually just have the plan to convert the yeah I, I think it was to have the plan i don't even know if we even we've we figured out all of the money which is the yeah, hard part i was gonna say that's we, a pretty that's aggressive built, yeah <laughs> by the the 31st so you know we we were our, our goal was to have a plan to uh, convert those city-owned properties and you know we're, we're, we're going back and forth on the number of 100 you know we, we we identified a number and we published actually the inventory so the public can go take a look we've identified a number of parcels i don't know if it quite got to 100 that we own um, but that's part of the uh the reason we bring in tax seized properties as well um and and looking to bring those back online um and bring them back into a productive use uh for for the local economy now I want to move on to COVID recovery. Uh, one of the goals is to expand testing and accelerate vaccinations. The action tracker says that community centers are now being used to expand testing and that there's a plan in place to provide vaccine incentives for city employees. Um, have these new initiatives led to any noticeable change in vaccination rates or, or you know, kind of any measurable success in terms of spread of COVID-19? I know it's, it's kind of difficult because there's a new variant and all these other different variables that are going into this, but just how is that actually having an impact on this? Yeah, I think I saw somewhere the other day, like the last two days or so, that the 14-day average for vaccinations um, had ticked up about 85% um, from the previous 14 days. And so we are seeing some movement. It's not enough. Uh, and, and to be very honest, I don't think Mayor Kelly or this administration are, are pleased with where we're at in terms of vaccination rates. So um, I, I, I don't know of any other way to put it other than, you know, we if we don't see the needle move on on vaccination rates um, in Chattanooga, people are going to lose their lives. And it's a very serious, very serious thing. And um, we are doing all the things that we can to encourage people to get out there to, to, to go get a vaccine. Um, we have started vaccinations at our community centers. We have launched uh, a vaccination incentive for city employees. Um, and we also recently announced our Vax for Cash initiative, which uh, is a lottery or sweepstakes style drawing um, where we'll uh, pick 
um, one winner every week that will win a thousand dollars plus some other prizes that uh, local businesses are um, volunteering and, and uh, um, providing, including American Airlines for the first drawing, um, will provide uh, 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 free pair of tickets to anywhere in the world where they service. So you know there, there's some exciting stuff, but you've got to go get a vaccine to be eligible and then sign up. Um, so those are those are some areas where we're really looking to get. Uh, our vaccination rate up. Um, but uh, this is something we talk about literally every day. Uh, we start the morning off and talk, look at those vaccination rates. And um, yeah, we're not happy with where we're at, but we are confident we can make some progress. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how that uh, sweepstakes program goes. I, I look forward to seeing the data on that. But yeah, again, hopefully everybody starts getting on board and getting vaccinated. And hopefully we, this is the last wave um, Absolutely. I, I want to move on to economic development. One of the goals listed was to provide a central resource for small businesses to navigate uh, small business benefits and COVID best practices, among other resources. This initiative is now live on econ.chattanooga.gov. Uh, but I'm, I'm wondering what's being done to advertise this service and make sure that small businesses are able to take advantage of it. Because one thing I run into a lot just in, in the space of trying to encourage civic engagement is that People just don't know where to find this stuff. I mean, it's yeah. if you're not looking for it, you're never going to find it. And if you don't know that it's there, you're never going to look for it. Uh, so what's being totally. done to kind of get the word out? Yeah, so uh, we are completely revamping our communications uh, uh, operation here at the city of Chattanooga. One of the things that we, um, I think, historically have seen in government communications at every level, um, particularly uh, local and state, is that we're extremely reactive. Um, we react to reporters' questions. We react to events. Um, but we don't do as much proactive work of helping explain some of the challenges that we face or where people can go find um, uh, people can go find the things that they're looking for. Um, a couple of big things that we're also working on in, in terms of you know, not just getting the word out there through our communications effort, social media, and those kinds of things. Uh, but we are also uh, uh, going to be completely redoing our digital infrastructure as a city. That includes our websites and the apps that are associated with 311, the city of Chattanooga, Outdoor Chattanooga. That, that's all going to experience uh, a, a dramatic overhaul that makes them far easier to use and navigate. Um, we know, and I say digital infrastructure because this isn't <clears> – <throat> It's not just a website. It's it's a lot more than that. It's a uh, it's you know in the 21st century, having these digital platforms is a service uh, to our residents, and they connect you to lots of resources. And so it's imperative that we get it right. Um, and so you'll be seeing more about that over the next couple of months, um, particularly as we get out of uh, this budget season and we get it passed. Um, hopefully, uh, and we uh, are able to go and, and get projects like that off the ground and started. Um, and then, you know, finally, we don't want it to just be a digital resource. So we are actively uh, working on um, having a one-stop shop that is a physical location in the city that people can go to and get technical assistance and access to capital for their businesses. And um, we're really committed to opening up lanes of entrepreneurship to every Chattanooga from every walk of life that wants to pursue it. Um, you know, historically, uh, access to capital has been restricted to people who already had, you know, an established business track record or a great credit score or had, you know, access to some private investors. And so we recognize that not everybody has those things. And so we are, are looking to create um, avenues for people to 
to fund their businesses and get them off the ground uh, because we know that that uh, by investing in local entrepreneurs, we're investing in our local economy too. So we're, we're certainly um, going to be doing more over these these next uh, several months on making uh, services like this more accessible, easier to find, and then also more effective in the long run. And that's actually a really great lead into a couple of my next questions. Um, one, one of the goals was to have a, an outdoor Chattanooga app rather than just having the website. The 100-day tracker online has said that the, the current progress is that the Outdoor Chattanooga website is going to be redesigned and kind of streamlined. And you know that's definitely still progress, but I'm wondering, is a full app still in the works, or has that been tabled? Or is it just going to take a little bit longer than originally anticipated? It's not been tabled. Um, it's still in the works, and it will uh, be a part of our broader uh, digital infrastructure overhaul generally. So we anticipate there will be some mobile app um, or functionality. Um, it's, it's probably going to have its own dedicated resource, um, but it will be a part of our, our, our overall digital infrastructure overhaul. And that's my next question is, is the general digital overhaul. What is the expected timeline on that? And, and I guess more importantly for me is, is there going to be any way for citizens to kind of provide feedback on features that they would like to see or issues that they have had with the website in the past, uh, just to make sure that what ends up coming out on the other side of this is actually solving problems that citizens have rather than just trying a new website? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's part of the reason we, um, so there was a, a redesign that was in the works when we got here and we put the hold on that. Um, partly because I don't think there had been as much uh, citizen engagement input as we would have liked. And the mayor kind of took a look at the process and said, no, we really need to go back to the drawing board on this. Um, and so it is in the budget uh, that's coming out um, in here in a few days. And so as soon as we get a budget passed by council, uh, we'll get to work. We'll be putting out a request for proposals for partners to help us um, not only uh, um, kind of redesign and, and rethink the the infrastructure, our um our, our website and the respective apps rest upon, but also um, to, to also engage the community um, in the process of building something like this in the first place. So we are anticipating that we're going to have plenty of opportunities for the public to provide input because we want to make sure these services work well for them. And then we've, we've kind of moved into the government section of the 100-day plan the administration is hoping to restore the position of legislative analysis to help guide the city council kind of through the ramifications of different resolutions that are being considered. The tracker says that a contract has been awarded to UTC to fill that role. When is that position going to begin? Uh, are the findings of that legislative analyst going to be publicly available? And if so, where are they going to be if that's something that's been decided? Yeah, so we our, our work on this was to actually provide um, the funding for it, uh, but city council is really driving this. Um, so that legislative analyst for them is to really help them think through what is the best way to create legislation. And so um, I know that a public policy professor at UTC is going to be supporting um, that work and will sort of serve as that legislative analyst. Um, and uh, that analyst uh, will, I'm not sure when they're starting. Um, I think that's somewhat up to council. Uh, but it, similarly, uh, whatever uh, analysis they provide uh, will be a public record, but then also to, um, I imagine that 
uh, and this is again up to city council, is that this is their sort of position. Um, they will be able to to publish it on the on the city council uh, section of the website. Um, and and so I think you'll be hearing more about that as council continues to move through their strategic plan and uh, individual council members utilize that legislative analyst to uh, look for legislative solutions to some of our our challenges here in the city. Great. Um, moving on, the administration would like to shift from the current budgeting for outcomes process to the new budgeting for impact process. And is current, you guys are kind of in the works of figuring out what that change in process is going to look like. Is that a framework that's going to be in place for the 2023 budget input process, or is that something that's going to be further out? Where, where does that stand? No, I'd say we've really kind of, and we have begun to budget for impact already, um, but the public engagement component of the um, budgeting process will really earnestly kick off in the next budget cycle. Okay. Um, and so we're, we're really excited uh, that uh, we're, we're going to get past this first budget, um, which was uh, you know, one of those things where we walked in and we had just a very short mm -hmm. amount of time to build the budget. But then the next one, we, we will have, um, you know, in the months leading up to us preparing the budget, ample opportunities for the public to hopefully in person, uh, but if not digitally, provide their feedback and input, um, but then also to bring solutions and ideas to the table that can um, help our individual departments really uh, hone in and, and uh, uh, improve the services they provide or um, the policies that they're uh, helping develop or the programs that they're, um, they're launching. So uh, I, I would say in the next uh, several months, you'll start to see some of that budgeting for impact work come out. Great. And you've already mentioned this kind of in some previous answers, but there's a lot of effort going into reforming and simplifying city codes. And you're listed as one of the leaders in this process. I'm just wondering how far reaching is this process going to be? What kind of public input is there going to be? And at the end of the day, just clarification, any changes to the code are going to have to go through city council, correct? Yes. Yeah, so so uh, we could think about this a couple of ways. Um, one is you know, actually changing the code itself, which I think is a process that we're always going to be, um, you know, undertaking as a government. We're, we're always trying to optimize and improve the laws that we have uh, to better serve our, our, our residents. Um, and so to that end, there uh, Chris Anderson, who's the administrator of the Department of Innovation, Delivery and Performance, as well as myself, have uh, begun to uh, assemble um, a committee structure uh, for um the code reform, so these will be actually changing uh, uh, codes to make them work better, to get rid of anachronisms or things that, you know, for a long time, for example, fortune telling was uh, um, illegal as a part of city code. And so, you know, some things like that are, are uh, um, you know, easy things to fix. But then there's more ro robust changes, um, for example, in the zoning code and making that work uh, more effectively. And there will be a lot of public input for that. Um, for each of those committees, um, we're, we're inviting members of the public, but also um, when there are substantial policy changes, we'll be, we'll be uh uh, engaging, engaging the public in lots of different ways. Um, but then on, on top of that, another way to think about this is the simplifying process or making it easier to read or understand may not actually involve um, changing code at all, but uh, may be uh, a, a way of annotating it to make it easier to read um, a sort of uh, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church and we used King James Bibles uh, that had uh, language that wasn't always easy to parse through. And then um, there was sort of a point of pride of not using an IV or something easier. But I think in, in some ways that uh, 
putting it in more plain or simple spoken language um, so that way people can understand what's happening in the code is something that we're exploring and our uh, op mod team is is actively looking into and and people have done this for federal code so we think we can port it over to city code as well yeah that sounds like a, a really great idea um, kind of in line with with revising codes and annotating codes and things like that I want to move on to justice and safety one of the major goals of this section was to establish policies to revise codes to decriminalize poverty in a lot of cases. Um, and, and one example, and, and the example that's listed in the city tracker is that there's a new lights on program, which allows an officer in lieu of a citation for a broken headlight to provide a voucher to get that headlight fixed. So, you know, if somebody gets pulled over for a broken headlight, they get the voucher, they move on, uh, they don't get anything on their record or any citations or anything like that, and it helps them get back above board. Uh, and this seems like a program with a lot of potential, but one thing in kind of the national conversation around policing is that there's a lot of critiques that these kind of routine traffic stops can kind of turn into fishing expeditions. You know, somebody gets pulled over for a broken headlight, but then the officer's looking around for, you know, an alcohol bottle or, or a smell of marijuana or, or whatever. Um, just getting overly scrutinized for other possible charges. So I'm wondering the lights on program, it'll help with that initial problem of having the broken headlight in the first place. But I'm wondering if there's any kind of side program that will include guardrails being put in place to prevent those kind of routine stops from escalating. Is that something that the, you know, is an issue in Chattanooga at all, or is that something that's being talked about kind of in the future? You know, I think, we are currently in the midst of a really important conversation nationally about law enforcement and policing. And so, um, of course, Chattanooga is going to be a part of that discussion and has been already. Um, and we've seen that in our public dialogue. Um, you know, I think the Lights On program is a great start, but by no means is it a, an ending point. Uh, you know, as you know, we are uh, currently searching for a new police chief. Um, uh, Chief Roddy has served you know, 26 years in the Chattanooga Police Department and oversaw department and uh, maybe some of the uh, most uh, interesting and challenging times uh, where we're really discussing the um, wholesale shift of the way we think about public safety. So uh, we're really grateful for his leadership. And, and also, you know, as we search for this new leader, we're asking ourselves some of these big questions, right, which is, you know, where, what should the emphasis of the police department be? Um, you know, how do we really lean into community policing? Um, does public safety only mean a police response or does it mean something else? Um, and so I think that we are going to have uh, a lot of opportunities for robust public engagement in the search for our new police chief. Um, it'll take a little bit more time than I think people anticipate. I don't anticipate having a, a new police chief until probably February. Um, these searches can take a little while. Um, but it's also a decision that we don't want to get wrong. It's uh, a critical hire, and um, I know the mayor's put a lot of thought and uh, really highlighted for us how important this is. Um, so, so I think that those are going to be uh, conversations we have with with uh, candidates for the new chief. Um, but we also are, you know, exploring with council what does it look like to um, de-emphasize uh, uh, within you know the boundaries of our. our uh, legal jurisdiction at the city, certain kinds of charges that we know, um, you know, are not public safety issues, uh, and really emphasize enforcement around things that do get people hurt. Um, you know, gun violence, 
comes to mind. Uh, but also, you know, things that uh, really do cause a lot of pain and damage, like uh, property crimes. Um, uh, we hear a lot about how people are getting their stuff stolen or uh, their cars broken into. And it's not, um, you know, those, those are things that are challenging to um, uh, clear cases on um, to solve those crimes. But, uh, you know, how do we make sure there's an extra emphasis on that? Um, but then, you know, finally, how do we make sure that whenever people make mistakes, if they are willing to put in the, the time and work to come back from it, that, that we have opportunities for them. So uh, when they get out after having paid their um, debt to society, that they aren't going into a system that puts them right back where they started. Um, so it, it, by no means is this an easy conversation. And you and I could have a conversation for a couple of hours about the future of, of uh, criminal justice in, in Chattanooga. But um, we we are serious about taking a different approach. Um, and you'll see a lot more of that, particularly out of our Office of Community Health in the coming uh, weeks and months ahead. Great. I look forward to seeing that. And, and that's a good timeline for everybody having their minds, you know, that that search might take a little bit longer than, than people anticipated, like you said. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've got one last kind of topic from the 100-day plan that I want to cover, and that's neighborhoods. In order to revitalize our community centers, the administration is creating community advisory boards. How can citizens find more about those boards and how can they get involved? Uh, is that something that's up and running right now or is that something that's still a few weeks out? Yeah, we're in the process of launching those. So you'll see more information about that on our social media and on our website. Uh, but the general idea is that for a long time, our um, previously our youth and family development centers, but now our community centers uh, had a overall board that governed all of the centers and, and the department. Um, and there was kind of an effort to standardize the services that were provided in those locations. Um, but we recognize that every neighborhood is different and that the needs of Avondale are going to be different than the needs of South Chattanooga. Uh, and they'll be different than the needs of, of Brainerd. Uh, and so having a group of residents that can help guide programming and services, particularly as we bring more human services into community centers. So that way, you know, City Hall isn't just a building or a collection of buildings on East 11th Street downtown, but City Hall is a, a, a network of relationships and services that you can walk into in your neighborhood. Um, we really want resident feedback and input um, in that process. Uh, and so we will have a place where people can apply um, on our website, uh, and I'm gonna uh, we'll have more information on that um, as we kind of begin launching those uh, individual community center programming. So uh, stay tuned for sure. Great. Well, that's all I've got. That kind of covers uh, the majority of kind of the open questions I had for the hundred day plan, and I look forward to seeing what what else comes out of this administration. Again, you know, this is just the first hundred days. This is a lot of framework getting set up. And so it sounds like there's some really exciting things to look forward to. So thank you so much for your time and, and thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much, Nathan. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chattanooga Civics. Our music was written and recorded by Kevin McLeod. If you have any questions or feedback, please send me an email at chattanoogacivics at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at chatcivics, or visit the website chattanoogacivics.com. Thanks for listening.
proud member of the Podnuga Network.